told me it's your birthday I wouldn't have known any other way Cause we coexisted a mutually unstated Unattached cohesion that Facebook created So I got ten seconds and they're just for you To write on your wall like good people do To keep our weak social tie with minimal maintenance Happy birthday to my loose acquaintance Look through my photo album, you're not in it If I saw you on the street, it would take me a minute But I'm such a thoughtful person and I totally care That's why there are three exclamation points there Colon parentheses to be more compelling All caps so it's just like I'm yelling From the top of my heart just to keep status quo Happy birthday, dear person who I sorta know We both know you're not my real friend You're a byproduct of a social networking trend But you feel just as indifferently about me So there's no guilt in our apathetic reciprocity So if we don't talk much for it all this year Remember I sent you this afterthought cheer To keep our minor affinity with minimal maintenance Happy birthday to my loose acquaintance Welcome to a very special episode of After Midnight God. I sound like a 1980s sitcom. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. It is a special episode for me because it is my birthday show. Usually I do stuff for myself on my birthday, like everybody go out, catch a movie, grab dinner, just do some activities outside. But this year, we can't. Nobody can celebrate their birthday. And if you're listening to this from the far future, please look up the year 2020 on Wikipedia and you will know why nobody's doing anything, and I'm not going into it. I'm sick of talking about it. I just want to talk about me. <laughs> After Minetti's music show, if you want to listen to what it usually is, please check out my previous episodes or stay and listen to the next ones. But this week is a little bit different. I'm not going to do the same format as I usually do. I'm going to go one song at a time, and each of those songs are the five most important songs of my life. Songs that made me who I am. Not necessarily... Um, <laughs> sound like a Manchurian candidate. Songs that help me discover who I am, should I say, would be a probably better description of what they were. But I've mentioned this before in my uh, first year of my show. These songs are my friends, basically. When you look back at, at your formative years, you always have faces, people, voices in your head. To me, it's mostly songs. I do have friends, of course, I have friends. But it's, it's these five pieces of music that help me get that little thing that makes you jump from boyhood to manhood, from childhood to adulthood. Makes you go into the direction that you really wanted to go. Starting with this one from 1965. Actually, for me, it was 1989. I come from a family of overachievers. I'm the third of three children. I have a father who was into politics, and he was in Lions Club, and he was always uh, an organizer, a leader. My mom was the leader of the church choir. She had a TV show on the local a community TV station. She had a, um, a religious TV show that was, it was played in Quebec, but it was listened to uh, all the way over into the U.S. because there's a French community in the U.S., by the way. 
Um, and my sister was a social warrior. I say was because she passed away several years ago in a car crash. Uh, she was a social warrior. She would have changed the world. Everybody loved her. My brother is, is a guy who needs to be the life of the party. He needs everybody to look at him and to talk to him, to listen to him. And I was, um, well, not the black sheep. <laughs> it was the little one who was in his corner and not saying anything, not attracting any attention to myself because, well, these people were so egregious. They were so commanding in their presence that to me it wasn't it wasn't even a question it was I was not going to compete for attention with these people so I would stay in my corner and just you know do my my little thing which I always like my kids a little bit like that you just you tell them to do something and you're gonna say yes of course and then they're gonna turn around and do their own thing despite what you said I was like that I just told people what they wanted to hear turned around did my own thing but then 1989 came and um you guys in the U.S. and the rest of Canada, you have junior high school and high school. We called those two together a secondary school. Five years between 12 and 17. Um, I did those in a boarding school. To well, Again, I, I wasn't really, I had no place in my family. So I, I kind of decided I wanted to do my own thing. So I went to a boarding school where we would go out once a month for four days. The rest of the time, we were always, always 24-7 at the school doing sports, studying, doing craft, doing lots of things, which I wasn't good at any of it. Until that third year in 1989, we had a new music teacher. His name was Paul. I miss him. I, I was so hard on him. He was hard on me, but I, I miss him now, looking back on it. And Paul uh, decided to have the school build him an actual music class, music room. And he uh, made deals for the school to have actual proper instruments, because up until then we had only flutes. And, and xylophones and <laughs> elementary school stuff. And he decided we we're going to have an actual orchestra symphony at that school. So my class, um, when it's our turn to, uh, to start a music course with him, the, um, everybody chooses their own instrument. He tells us you're going to choose one or two instruments and you're going to stick with them for the year. Maybe next year we'll change, but for this year you stick to this one. So everybody go to the, uh, the the cool ones, the saxophone and the drums, the trumpet. Uh, so I go with the one that A, looks the most like me, and B, the one that nobody wants. I go with the trombone. <laughs> because I, I looked like a slander trombone back then. And um, it was a strange instrument because there's no key. There's no, there's no obvious uh, position to know the notes. You have to listen to your instrument and... Uh, a little bit played by ear to know where you have to position yourself to know what is the right note. So guitar, you're going to have a procedure, the chords, the number to tell you what you got to do, where you got to place your hand. But on a trombone, you got to learn for yourself. You got to play it until you know where the slide is, which note exactly or approximately. It's really a, a game of a tug of war between you and the trombone to play the right note. So I started with the scale, like everybody, and I struggled. I couldn't read sheet music. I was trying like hell to learn it, but I couldn't, and I was struggling with my instrument. Finally, I learned the goddamn scales, and um, Paul looks at me and says, listen to this song a few times, and uh, when you kind of get it, try to get into the brass section with your instrument. Try to see where you would fit. I listened to it maybe 30 seconds, no more, and I knew. 
I knew where my instrument's going. I knew what to do with this thing. It was uncanny. And this is why probably I miss him so much. I don't know how he knew. I had never heard that song before, but he knew that this song would unclick this, this thing inside me that would make me realize that I was able to. I was able to do it. I could just work on it and you're getting there. You're going to, to be able to do it. And, um, two years later, I dropped music completely. I stopped it because of that song and of that moment that made me realize that I could do anything I wanted. I didn't have to stay in my corner and just let the rest of the family overachieve and just do my thing. I, I was able to do things too. Things that I liked too. I was able to do that, and suddenly I didn't quite like music. I was good at it. I was really good at it, but I didn't quite like it. But it made me realize that I, th there's a whole world of things to try and discover. I wanted to try everything, and I did. The following few years, I did try everything, and it was glorious. The song itself is called Hang On Sloopy. Yes, it's a bit of a silly song, but... I haven't listened to it in years. It's going to be the first time now. I, I've downloaded the song. I hope it's the best version I can get. And it's going to be the first time for me listening to it in years. And I'm going to share that moment with you. I'm recording this show live. Yes, live. So let's go with uh, the McCoy's 1965 Hang On Sloopy. Enjoy.
The year is 1989, and I have just discovered a feeling that I've never known before because of the song you just heard. I felt confident. I had never known that feeling before. Self-worth and self-confidence were a new concept, foreign concept for me, so much that I wanted to explore them. So one weekend, I'm at home during a, during a break from school, and I'm watching the Grannies and um, Ten Strand Derby wins everything for his first album. Didn't really know who he was, but they play a part of one of his songs while he was receiving his award. And I thought, man, that's really nice. That's cool. And he talks and I kind of, you know, I like the groove. I like the guy and I'm feeling good. I'm in a a place in my mind. And then I hear that he's coming out with a new album. You know what? I'm going to get a new album. And I'm getting it and I'm starting to listen to it. And it's strange. It's different. It is quite self-indulgent I was thinking about it. It is self-indulgent, but I like it. Parts that I don't understand, I want to, I, I let them soak in, and parts that I do understand, I get into it, and it's a mix of funk, which I had never heard before. Yes, I'm a white boy from, from white town, French white town, Quebec. I had never really heard funk music before, and I liked it. I liked the funk vibes into it. What he did with that R&B, I wasn't into R&B at all, R&B, funk, soul, it was a mix of it, and it was absolutely beautiful, and I loved it, and I really enjoyed it, and I was listening to it while I was doing my homework, I was listening to it while I was doing my chores, I was always listening to that album that I had on my little tape so much that it was squeak, 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 squeak when the cassette was playing, squeaking so hard that I could, at a certain time, not hear the music from the constant squeaking of having listened to that album so much. The thing is... Nobody listened to that album. Everybody hated that album called Neither Fish Nor Flesh. Absolutely, the critics dismissed it completely. The fans turned on him. He himself turned on that album. A few years later, he killed the TTD persona and reinvented himself. New new style, new persona, new name. He has one of those, I don't know, Sanskrit names. I, I can't even be bothered to remember what it is. But um, he he himself spat on, on that album, saying it's not good, and it killed who I was back then, and, and oh, F you, all right? I liked it. But that's the thing. I realized that up until then, I was ruling my life with peer pressure. 
my parents liked something, I liked it. My brother and sister would tell me to, to do something, I would do it, I would like it. All my opinions came from other people. At least I thought so, until I realized by listening to this album that I liked it and I did not care. Not, I'm a rebel, I'm not going to care. I did not at all. And I didn't need to step on a soapbox and say, I don't care about what you think. I did not. I was being me. I was saying, uh-huh, yeah, turning around and doing my thing. I realized that this thing that I was doing all my life, that was me being me, doing me, not bending to peer pressure like I thought I always had up until then. Listening to that one song that you're going to hear is when I realized that, when that <laughs> that moment of clarity came to my head that I had an actual personality. And that was a cathartic moment for me. It was a great moment for my life. Please listen to it with me. Again, it's been years since I've listened to that song, and I know it's going to give me goosebumps. Ten Strand Darby's from his 1989 album, of Flesh. It is called To Love Someone Deeply is to Love Someone Softly. Please enjoy. Dum, 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 dum.
Summer comes around in 1989, and so far I've had quite the year. I've discovered and met someone whom I never thought I would meet, and whom I had never met before, myself. I had a personality, I had tastes, I had opinions, I had capacities. Summer comes around, and I ask my parents to do something that I've never done before. I want to spend that summer alone. I have a grandmother who lives thousands of miles away in a different city. She was a prison guard. I shit you not. My grandmother was a prison guard, and she was still active. She was still working, just about to retire when I was, uh, I think, 15 in 1989. And um, I, I asked my parents to go spend the summer at her place, at her apartment. She uh, she was divorced. My grandparents had divorced a long time ago, and, um, and my grandmother didn't necessarily like me, but uh, she didn't hate me either. I mean, she was quite indifferent to me, and she was a prison guard. She was always busy. She was working on the night shift, which is probably where <laughs> I take my inclination to do, to do the night shift. Uh, so I, uh, she agrees to let me spend the summer at her apartment just because I, I need some time alone. I've met myself, and I want to know what that means. I want to spend some time alone. I do that at her apartment. First thing I did, first week that I, I spent with her, I uh, went to a movie theater. It's one of those old movie theaters that was actually a theater. It had a stage and, and the curtains, and sometimes they had uh, plays and uh, shows on it, and the rest of the time they were playing movies. And I go there um, to catch... Uh, well, they had double features, which I, I don't think uh, anyone does that anymore except in drive-in theaters, but they had double features playing a, an older, smaller movie and then the main movie. And I think... God, I can't remember what it was, what the main movie was. It was forgettable, but the, uh, the original movie was The Lift. It was a Spanish horror movie. <laughs> it was really good. I absolutely love that little movie. If you can find it, The Lift, I think it, it dates back to 1985, but I saw it in the 89 in that theater. Um, and I come out of the theater feeling great. Because I watched a horror movie, which I never did before, and it was a Spanish horror movie with the subtitles. Something I had never done in my life. And it was a fantastic experience, made even greater by the fact that there were three people, me and two other people, in the theater. They were a couple, and during the movie, they kind of gestured to me, come sit with us, and I did, and we had a lot of fun. It was a great experience. Someone like me, who was, who is introverted, not sociable, at all. I had so much fun with these two people watching this incredible foreign movie. So I, I come out of the theater <clears throat> and I'm walking back to my grandmother's place and uh, I stopped by this uh, music store. Well, there was a comic book store uh, selling um, selling Frank Miller's uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns, I think. Uh, they had a, 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 the hard, hardcover version and uh, Watchmen was still a thing. The original Watchmen was still a thing. Um... And, yeah, they had music, and I see these two uh, cassette tapes in front, uh, new albums, two artists that I never quite liked before. One is a Frenchman named Francis Cabrel. He was known as a mushy love song singer from the 80s. He's still active today, by the way. And the other one was Tom Petty, who uh, had um, put the Heartbreakers on pause and decided he wanted to do an album on his own. Just Tom Petty, no Heartbreakers, just him. And um, I look at those two tapes, and I'm thinking back to TTD, who I love his album, and nobody did. And I just saw a foreign movie <laughs> that I never would have for a thousand years before, and I decided, you know what, let's do it. 
I don't know why these two are there, but let's just carpe cassettein. And I, I bought those two tapes, and I listened to them. And I, I, I mentioned the squeaking from the TTD tape. Those two, I played them so much, they died. One of them, the, the tape ate it. The, the tape cassette player ate it, and the other one, I, it just died. It just died. So I had to buy them again. I bought twice the tapes and the CD afterwards, and I think I've downloaded them now, the digital version of each. Uh, the first one, uh, Francis Cabrera's album was called Sarbacan, and it became one of my top five favorite albums of all time. The other one is my favorite album of all time. It's Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever. The song, the first one that you're going to hear, is called J'ai peur de l'avion. I'm afraid of the planes. Um... It was different from uh, for Frank. He was doing something a little bit different for him. And you could feel in the album the verve and the funny ad trying to something else. He was trying a bit more of a rock song, a uh, blues-type feel to it. He had always done these, these cute little, easy little French love ballads, but now he was doing blues and rock. And you could feel that he liked it, and I was liking it with him. And this song, I've listened to it so many freaking times. List any moment of your life, a, a breakup, a heartbreak, a victory, a graduation, a fight with your wife, fight with your parents, your kids are born, anything that you want. And I think this song could be part of that soundtrack. That album should be the soundtrack of anyone's lives. It is fantastic. So is Full Moon Fever. Uh, I've sold that album. Well, I've sold people to that album. A lot of people whom I made listen to it and explained to them what it meant to me ended up buying it and liking it almost as much as I did. The song from Tom Petty is called You're So Bad. And it's not, you're going to hear later on the song that I think defines me most specifically, the most me song. But if that song didn't exist, then it would be You're So Bad by Tom Petty. Please enjoy those two songs. Des milliers d'hommes d'affaires Le nez dans le journal Rien d'autre à faire Essayer de trouver ça normal pas de costume sombre, j'ai pas de conversation et puis j'ai peur de l'avion. Bienvenue dans le piège, une voix de velours qui dit sous votre siège la veste de secours. Faut qu'il y en ait un qui tombe C'est peut-être le bon J'ai peur de l'avion Tous les bruits sont bizarres Dans le couloir, je veux qu'on me respecte. Je veux qu'on me respecte. 
être expulsé d'une fronde jusqu'au milieu du ciel. Qu'elle paraît minuscule, cette piste en béton.
Final song is not from 1989. Let's give that year a break, even though I, I think it's the most formative year of my life. It's actually from the year that I was born, from 1974. It's a band called Offenbach. They're a French-Canadian band. I mean, in every sense of the word, they're French-Canadian, in the sense that uh, they speak joual, what we call in French, the slang that we call our, our version of French, uh, we call joual. Uh, it's, it's, they roll the R's when they speak and they use these, these patois, these, these words. And even the album was called Tabarnak, which any Canadian will tell you is the ultimate curse word in Quebecer. And, um, well, actually the lead singer was a classmate of my dad's. So that's something closer to me even. But I, I mentioned a song that represents me. It's something that I always ask whenever I interview someone for my podcast or when I did for my blog. Uh, when I used to write for a moving, moving news site, I, I did a lot of interviews. I always asked, what's the song that you would want me to listen to, to know exactly who you are inside, privately, as a person? And this song is mine. It, it's bar none. It's the closest thing. The arrangements, the lyrics, the music, the singer, everything about this song. If you want to know what kind of person I am, what kind of personality I have, what my tastes are, Everything about me is encapsulated in that one song. So it's from the album Tabernacle in 1974. The band is called Offenbach. The singer is one of the greatest rock singers of all time, in my opinion. His name is Jake Boulet. Please listen to that song. Please enjoy it. Please come back for a regular show next time. Thank you so much for having celebrated <laughs> my birthday with me. It was a live show for those who did tune in and maybe didn't stay. Uh, yeah, I, I say I have like one listener left. Thank you so much for being here. Stay with me. I'm going to play more music for you, just for you, for another hour. But for those who are listening to this as a podcast, thank you. Have a good time listening to Promenade sur Mars. Trouver la porte 